Our sermon today comes from Luke chapter 15. And this is a parable that is often called the parable of the prodigal son. In fact, you will often see it at the heading of many of your translations, including the one I'm using. It's called the parable of the prodigal son. But if I'm going to read the context, I'm going to actually begin with verse 1 and 2 and then drop down to verse 11 because there's really a trio of parables. There's the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost son. But for the first two, there was great rejoicing. For the third, not everybody rejoiced to see the wandering son return. As you know, that was the elder brother. So let's hear first chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, and then dropping down to the third parable. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them, so he told them these parables. The parable of the sheep, the lost sheep, lost, found, rejoicing in heaven. Parable of the lost coin, the woman loses this valuable coin, looks for it, finds it, and there's great joy in the whole community. And then, in the last verse, before verse 15, it says, There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents, isn't there? And then he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything but when he came to himself he said how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread but I perish here with hunger I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him father I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. 
And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property and with prostitutes you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and he is alive. He was lost and is found. Let us celebrate the goodness of the Lord to each of us. And shall we pray? Lord, again, teach us the wonder of your grace. We might celebrate with all of those whom you forgive and receive back into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to draw your attention to the outline in your bullets. And besides the title, the parable of the elder brother, I want to change the subpoints under point one to reflect the connection of the younger brother having left home and then returning. So if you'll put down, if you're writing the four points in the first point, are sick of home, just sick, homesick, and home. Maybe it'll help you remember what happened to the prodigal son. Sick of home, just sick, homesick, and then home. The scribes and Pharisees couldn't stand it. There's Jesus having parties with everybody including people that they thought were unworthy of rejoicing with. So tax collectors and sinners, those that we know were listening to Jesus, and the, G and the Lord Jesus was teaching them and receiving them and welcoming them and forgiving them, and the Pharisees couldn't figure it out. They said, you know, we are good people. We've obeyed all of our lives, and yet Jesus seems to spend all of this time with these terrible people. These two parables at the beginning that I mentioned to you, the lost sheep and the lost coin, are part of a backdrop of this parable. So often they're separated, but there are three parallel points. You know how pastors like three sermons. Well, Jesus liked three parables, or three points of the sermon. Jesus liked three parables also to, to make a point to his sermon. And the third one is the punchline with the twist. It is about the prodigal son to begin with. We certainly can't omit the fact that people were returning to the Lord with sorrow and repentance. And that's true. And it's a reflection of the misery of our lostness that Jesus describes the plight of the prodigal son so with so much detail. You might wonder what the word prodigal means. We don't use that word every day, do we? In fact, we, I don't think I've ever used it aside from preaching on this passage. Well, let's see what it means in the dictionary. A prodigal is one who is wasteful. He is profligate, another big word if that helps you. Spendthrift, another big word. Squandering, wanton and dissipated. Well, they're all kind of big words. But it basically means this son wandered away and wasted everything that he had. We know that's what happened to him. So many privileges, but he was willing to throw them away. And why? Because he was sick of home. 
He was sick and tired of being at home. I know I could have a good old time if I just took my inheritance, which was probably a fair amount of money, and just go out and run my own life, be my own boss. I can do whatever I want, and it's not going to make a single bit of difference. And he went away to a far country. Clearly, it is among Gentiles, because eventually he was hired by a keeper of pigs, There were no keepers of pigs in Israel. They were all Gentiles, perhaps, across the Jordan River. As we read about in Luke 8, the man of the Gentile land opposite Galilee. This is a parable, but it's based on a real thing. That there is a place to which you could flee and be far away from home and be, in a way, not even an Israelite anymore. You would be among the Gentiles. Maybe this young man bought some new clothes. Maybe he started throwing money around to the people that he met. We simply know that he tried all kinds of pleasures, including prostitution or other kinds of immorality. And it reminds me a bit of Solomon, where in Ecclesiastes, Solomon did whatever he wanted to do. Remember? I kept my heart, he says, from all, from pleasure from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. And then I realized it was all vanity, similarly to what the son eventually realized. But unlike Solomon, the money ran out. It didn't take long. Have you read it? I read it again this week. Somebody receives several million dollars in winning the lottery, and before you know it, it's gone. Can you believe that? What would you do with a million dollars? Well, you might waste it too. Who knows? Oh, it's time for that new car, the new house we've always wanted. Oh, and my friends are going to be coming around and asking me for a handout. And my relatives need help. And who knows what else? Before long, it's all going to be gone. For this man, he spent it all upon himself. And that's all he ever had and would have. So now he realizes what his circumstance is. He's... A friend of pigs, but they don't even give them anything to eat. The pigs have slop. Have you ever raised pigs? I have not. But I understand they're a messy bunch. And if you want to slop the pigs, it doesn't sound all that great. Unless you're really hungry. And you might want to eat the slop. Well, you might have to. And that's what this man came to feel like. That he was going to eat pig food if he had to. How clear it is that he had become as unclean as they were. He was part of the world. He was abandoned. Nobody cared about him. His family was afar off, and he had absolutely nothing. Now, I find people like this do exist even today. I've spent a number of months out in San Francisco. You probably know what that's like. Even in our areas, including in Chattanooga, There are homeless camps, and they set up tents, and they scrounge for food, and they beg on the streets, or they lie on the sidewalks in a drunken stupor, or they take drugs, and they have no idea what they're thinking about. They don't know what they're doing. They live on the streets, not only of San Francisco, but Dayton and New York and perhaps Huntsville. I don't know. Would you like to join them? Sound like fun to you? Would you like to be homeless? You like to have nothing? It might sound romantic to you 
to catch a ride on a freight train and be a hobo, but you know, that's simply a foolish dream. Here he was, sick, and on the streets, just plain old lost. And while he's there, he thinks back to the home that he had left. He becomes homesick. You know what I mean by that? You long for home. One summer I went away. Happened to be at Covenant College, by the way. It was actually a nice time away. But after a while, I got tired of doing my own laundry, of all things. I thought, you know what? Maybe I should just go home. Well, that wasn't much of homesick. Here's a guy that was really homesick. What have I given up? What in the world did I think I was doing? And it says that he came to himself. I mean, he was in a drunken stupor, and suddenly he woke up and said, what in the world am I doing here? I'm lost. I left home, and nobody cares for me. Dare I go back? What would they say? What would my father do? What would my brother do? What would my mother do? What would the community say when I came back bedraggled and dirty and messing around with the pigs, and here I come home dragging myself humbly back in a sad, sad state. He came to his senses, and he wasn't just miserable. He actually was sorry and repentant for what he had done. In his misery, could he be forgiven? Would his father forgive him? He didn't expect it. He hoped he might become a servant, maybe. Living in the outward quarters of the estate of his father. I'll live there. I'll be a servant if it comes to that. Just give me a place to lay my head at night. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Notice, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Here's the parable's meaning, of course. There are many who came back to the Lord who had sinned terribly and the Lord Jesus Christ himself ate and drank with them. Remember? So see the similarity of what's going on here. This son comes back and he's sorry for his sins. No longer worthy to be called your son. Just give me a place to stay somewhere. And the father, what would he think? Here's a terrible son who has wasted everything. What a no good son. Good riddance. I hope he dies in that faraway country. That's not what the father said. In fact, the father longed for his son's return. And he spent all of his time looking out on the horizon, wondering when that son might return. How long did he do that? We're not told. But we find out that when he sees that son coming over the horizon in his horribly bedraggled state, he saw him afar off and he felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him and the son didn't want to accept it at first. He says, Father, I've sinned against heaven before you. I no longer want to be called your son. But the father says, let's have a party. Put a nice robe on him. Kill the calf that we saved for the special occasion. Kind of like the Thanksgiving turkey, you know. We'll just have it. We'll have a big, a big feast. Meanwhile, the brother doesn't know that the son has come back. He's out in the fields. He hears the celebration. He comes back and he says, what in the world's going on back at dad's house? 
And they say, well, your brother's returned. You're going, you've got to be kidding me, he says. How could my brother return and then you give him a party? (laughs) He could scarcely believe it. And he's so angry, and the word anger here is a settled wrath, a deep anger. Then we find that there is a contrast here between what Jesus wanted the Pharisees to do and what the Pharisees did. They were not pleased. They did not want to receive the wayward children of Israel, even as the older son did not want to receive the wayward son. It reminds me of a a song called Wayward Son. Some of you are old enough to know the Kansas tune, Carry On My Wayward Son. The author was Carrie Livgren, who eventually became a Christian, and wrote this song. Listen to the words there. If you haven't heard the song, it's very powerful. It says, Carry on, my wayward son, for there'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. It turns out he was talking about himself, he would say later. Carry on, you will always remember. Carry on, nothing equals the splendor. Now your life's no longer empty. Surely heaven waits for you. Was he thinking about this parable? I don't know. Carry on, my wayward son, for there'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. Notice the full and deep repentance of this son, who was wayward. He saw his sin. So did the tax collectors, so did the sinners, so did Zacchaeus, so did Mary Magdalene the prostitute, and on and on we go. Now, the prodigal generosity of the loving father I have just summarized. You say, wait a minute, prodigal. I thought that means wayward. No, there's a second meaning to the word prodigal, and it means excessive or extravagant. In other words, the father not only welcomed the son back, but he did so with open arms and with extravagant expense. And you say, well, this guy is throwing away good money after bad. In other words, I already lost a whole part of my estate. Now I'm going to spend some more money. That's why the older son was so angry. This prodigality of the father, that is the generosity of the father, is a result of overwhelming gracious love, the love that God has for wayward sinners. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus we sing, and that's the way it is with our Heavenly Father. Prodigal generosity. Fathers, sons, daughters, mothers, all of you who are here, you are wanderers all. Wayward, sinners, lost and alone. Jesus came to say, that he would seek and save those that were lost. Why? Why couldn't he just keep the family that he had? Well, his family on earth was a sinful bunch of reprobates. And he instead brings a new family to life in the family of God and draws them home, wakes them up, in that faraway land and brings them back home. 
Yes, the son was unwilling to forgive, but the father was perfectly willing to forgive. The pattern is this. The sheep is lost. The sheep is found. Rejoice. The coin is lost. The coin is found. Rejoice. The son is lost. The son is found. Not rejoice. How could that be? Don't you rejoice when you find something that you thought you lost? Of course you do. Because you love that which was lost. You love the sheep. You love your coin, for that matter. But most of all, you loved your son. And now he's back. Why wouldn't you rejoice? Now the question then becomes, who was really lost? The scribes and Pharisees thought they were such good people. And so did this elder brother. Listen to his boast. Look at these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet, you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. I have always served you. I have never disobeyed you. How about right then? The father says, we're having a celebration for your brother. And the son says, no, we're not. (laughs) He didn't listen to his father. He wasn't like his father, who was full of love and compassion and forgiveness. They, those scribes and Pharisees, were a selfish, proud bunch. We don't want God to help them back to home, to come home. We're home and we never left home. You think so? Jesus would say to these hard-hearted scribes and Pharisees, you're of your father the devil. You don't even have me as your father. You say you are the sons of Abraham. You say you have God as your father, but then you don't admit your failures. Somehow the older son was like the Pharisee. He had gotten in his mind that his position was dependent upon his performance. So he thought as proud as he was, overlooking his failures. As time passes, we begin to imagine that we are good people because we might have avoided the obvious sins of our society. We look down upon those people that are so confused and rebellious and helpless and say, well, good thing that never happened to me. Good thing I never followed the devil like that while sins of pride run rampant within us we do not regard our jealousy and pride and judgmentalism as sin we call them a little tiny fault we call them peccadillos if you know that word that means little tiny sin oh yeah we've made some mistakes here and there but not like this We become critical, judgmental, unloving. And our surface familiarity with holy things has turned them to a kind of a dull, insipid, and boring exercise of futility. I don't even care about worship or God anymore. We might really think inside ourselves. And yet, wayward sons and daughters... God is ready, standing, and waiting for you. Even if you think you haven't wandered, you have. So the younger brother and you are the same, in that God rejoices over you. You and the older brother are the same, in that you think you haven't sinned, maybe. 
but God will even rejoice over you, O wayward older brother, who didn't have any compassion for his younger brother and thought he was better than everybody else. Isn't it wonderful that God can even save the proud, self-righteous Pharisee who repents? And some of them did. As well as that obviously wayward sinner who's wasted everything. And many of us have. Therefore, the Lord comes and gives you a place at the table And he shares a feast with you. Guess what? In just a few minutes. A symbolic feast of the big celebration in heaven that is happening right now. When one sinner repents and later on when all the sinners that are saved by grace get together and stand in awe and look at one another and say, how did we ever get here? And then we look at the Savior and we say, that's how. Shall we pray? Lord God, again, forgive us of our pride and rebellion alike. Whichever we fall under, the wandering, wandering younger brother or the proud and self-righteous older brother, both sinners, both in need of salvation, for the wages of sin for all of us is death, but your gift to us, amazingly, is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.